When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Jen Fraboni. Jen is an internationally renowned physical therapist who specializes in helping people overcome chronic pain and maximize physical performance. As the founder of the new platform and app, Gen Health, she brings a unique whole body approach to strength, mobility, and pain-free living. Dr. Jen is the co-host with her husband, who is also a doctor of physical therapy, to a popular podcast called The Optimal Body Podcast. In today's episode, we will cover the importance of mobility, strategies for decreasing stress and tension within our body, breath work and how it relates to the pelvic floor, and much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Good morning, everybody. We have Dr. Jen Fraboni here today. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here and be able to chat about all the things we're going to chat about. I think it's so incredibly important. Yeah. So I think we're going to, I want to start talking about just, I was telling you before we started that I never realized I could have so many aches and pains on a daily basis until I became a mom. And I just feel like I don't know what happened. And that and probably I'm getting older, pretend like I'm not, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I think it would be great to start off with. I know you focus a lot on mobility, flexibility, and just kind of like positioning our body in a way such that we can carry on every day and not suffer from certain aches and pains and stress and tension where we don't need to. So I'd love for you to kind of address just like your suggestions for daily mobility for the normal person who may not be pregnant or postpartum or any of those things in a way that we can set ourselves up to allow our bodies to be the best that they can be and not live under like significant stress and tension just from some of us work from home and we're sitting in these chairs all day and which is obviously never good because we're sitting in this certain way, which right now, if you looked at the way I'm sitting in this chair, you'd be like, oh, Lindsay, this is all wrong. This is terrible. (laughs) The way that I'm sitting. So I know that was a lot, but we can kind of start there. Well, honestly, it's funny because someone might look at the way I'm sitting and I'm very intentional on, you know, making sure my voice could be heard. So I'm going to lean forward a little bit more. I'm going to round through my spine. I also have one leg up in like a cross-legged position. So, but the thing is, 
no one posture is inherently bad. The bad posture is the static posture we sit in all day long. So if we're not moving out of a rounded spine, if we're not moving from our head going forward, like reality is where our head is going to start to shift forward as we're working on something intently because where my where my eyes go, my focus and my my head and my body goes, right? So it's natural to start to lean forward. It's natural to get a little bit more round, but it's how often am I getting out of that position? How often am I getting up and moving or changing or stretching or opening my back from being in a rounded position? So it's more of how often am I getting into the next position that's more important than how am I setting myself up in this quote unquote perfect posture? Because sometimes we set ourselves up to be even more stressed if we're trying to achieve this perfect sense of posture. What I see a lot, what I see happen a lot is that people say, okay, I have to find this perfect ergonomic sitting position and draw my shoulders back and down and, and keep my arms right by my side. But what that does is it increases tension naturally within our body, because now we're going to be turning on muscles where we should be at rest. (laughs) We should just be kind of working away using our fingers and our hands, but not necessarily always using our back muscles. So if we're constantly tensioning, well, then we're only increasing stress signals within our body. So it's okay to be supported by a chair sometimes. It's okay to be in a relaxed posture sometimes. It's just that we more often than not want to be moving every 30 minutes to an hour so that we're changing our position, we're changing our legs, we're changing our stance, we're changing our our back and our posture so that we're just changing it more often than trying to achieve like the perfect thing. And I think when we talk about mobility as well and flexibility, you know, our natural reaction as humans is I feel something, I want to stretch it out. But sometimes just lengthening something isn't what our body really needs in order to feel more resilient. Because sometimes if say I'm having like neck tension, neck issues, but I'm already kind of in this extended head position, well, my muscle is already on stretch. So now if I stretch it more and and try to breathe and relax into it passively, I might be telling my body, okay, you could relax, but then it has no support has no stability as to where it's supposed to pull itself back to. And so sometimes trying to overstretch an area can be, you know, just something that we want to be cautious about. Our body actually wants resilience. It wants, it wants to feel safe. And so when we talk about mobility, I think we get to come back to like the, the root of it. And this is where I say, if we are, if we're craving safety and stability within our body, the root of that is probably where are we breathing from? Where are we creating tension from within our body? And if we can just, just like, this is the mobility that I want everyone to do every day is actually rib cage mobility and understanding where we're breathing from, because it can naturally align our spine. It can help our posture. It could get us reducing those pain signals. It can get us reducing that tension. So if we were to automatically just different times throughout the day, or even if you're driving, you can do this with one hand and you can kind of wrap it around the low rib cage. And then if we just kind of squeeze that low rib cage just a tiny bit on the sides and then take a nice slow inhale into the sides of our rib cage and then an even longer exhale from our nose, 
out through or just out through the nose, nice and slow, long exhale, then we kind of shift our body from that stressful state that we're typically in into a more parasympathetic state that rest, relax, digest that, that ease of tension. And if we can do five, you know, two to five intentional breaths randomly throughout the day, we help to reduce that tension, which is what we, what we crave usually from a stretch. And then if we're getting into mobility, we need to realize mobility is quite active. Mobility should be the active ability to move within my body. So again, rather than just passively stretching, how am I opening up my, my body? So rather than just thinking of, you know, stretching my neck, well, my neck is probably a little bit sore or forward because I've been in this forward head posture. So actually, if I open up my chest and if I rotate through my back or if I do some cat cows in a seated position, then I help to open up the the body from the actual root cause, which is my upper back, so that my head can naturally just rest on top of my body. And so if we start to really get back to where am I not moving from, which is usually the thing that's a little bit stiffer, how can I gain more motion and and mobility in that? And then how can I reduce those stress signals that's making me want that stretch, that's making me want that that tension release. And if I can get back into two to five intentional breaths randomly throughout the day as to where I'm breathing from, what that feels like in my rib cage, and then being able to just exhale it out slowly and more so through my nose, because that also helps to get our blood flowing a little bit better, open up our and dilate our blood vessels, relax our nervous system. If we can just implement those two strategies. We're going to feel so much better on a day-to-day basis. Now, when you're taking these breaths, are you counting five inhale, five, you know, blowing mm-hmm. out? Or are you like, do you have any suggestions as far as like, are these like quick? I mean, obviously it wouldn't be very beneficial to be quick, but do you suggest having people count so that they are intentionally slowing their breath down as opposed to like just taking these yeah. you know, half-ass <laughs> breaths <in and laughs> yeah. out, like really fast? Yeah. So I think everyone starts at a different level too. And so if in general, we just want to say, okay, between two to four seconds, I want to focus on an inhale. But rather than just focusing on that counting, I'm really focusing on, can I push open into the sides of my rib cage? A lot of us think about belly breathing for diaphragmatic breathing, but we don't think about the front, back and sides of our rib cage. So if we can say, you know, I'm going to take two to four intentional long seconds into the sides of my rib cage and see if I can feel the the sides actually fill up and rather than my shoulders elevate. And sometimes starting this in front of a mirror is so incredibly beneficial because I've had so many clients who are like, I'm doing it and their neck is turning on, their shoulders are rising and they don't even intentionally realize that that's what their body is naturally going to. So doing this in front of a mirror at first is such a great way to just see where's my body naturally attending to. And do I, do I want to turn on my neck right away, you know, and just going and making sure that we have a longer exhale. So whether that's six to eight seconds, whether that's 10 seconds, if you can, but we don't want to be pushing ourselves to the point of stress. So if you realize that 
eight seconds feels like I need to stress my body to get there, then that's probably too long for you because we're not trying to push our our ability to see how much carbon dioxide you know we can tolerate and all of that. We just want to get into a more parasympathetic state. So I might take a two to four second inhale, hold it for a second, and then take a a longer exhale. So the goal is just a longer exhale than an inhale. Because if we think about it, our inhale is our excitatory state. That's where someone scares you, you go, and you kind of have a deep inhale, our shoulders come up to our ears, we we get all tense and tight. So if we want to flip that, if we think of looking at a sunset or getting a massage, it's usually the thought of a, ah, yes, a nice long sigh. So if we just want to think, okay, if I do want to turn off tension within my body, and this is the quickest trick to turn off that five years of back tension, that that long, constant, (laughs) chronic pain that you've been dealing with, this is the trick. It's not the fancy mobility thing. It's not the increased exercise. You know, this is actually the technique that's going to help to start to shift, make longer and better shifts within your body to get you out of pain quicker. So getting that longer exhale, being intentional of where we're breathing from, so incredibly important. So I wanted to ask you two quick questions before we kind of talk a little bit more about the breath work, because I really like that you kind of focused on that because as like, you're so right when it comes to having a pain, your, your immediate reaction is like, oh my gosh, I have to go stretch this out. I have to roll it out. And you're like hyper-focused on doing all of the things where you kind of need to dial it back and kind of start from square one and be like, okay, where am I holding all this tension and how can I relieve it? It's just as simple as just taking these deep breaths. So I want to talk more about that when it comes to the pelvic floor. But I wanted to ask you really quickly because we were talking about, I feel like with COVID, a lot of people ended up staying home and working from home and realizing, oh, I kind of like this better, especially for busy moms. Sometimes it's just, it, it it's, works out a lot easier if they're able to stay home and be working from home. So just the whole setup as most moms are sitting at their desk and they're hunched over all day or, or however they might be sitting in there. Do you have any suggestions? I mean, I know people will say, oh, like you can get an exercise ball and you can sit on that and and then you can switch to, oh, I have this like roll away treadmill that I sometimes put. You see people doing all these fancy things these days. And so I'm just curious to hear what you have to say about like some of the the things that are offered these days for people that work from home and that are like always at their desk for like six, seven hours a day. Do you suggest these certain things that are out there, like these exercise balls and the treadmills and the all the things. Yeah. So <laughs> if we go back to kind of like, well, the next position is the best position. So switching it up can be so incredibly beneficial. And if you feel like you can work and be productive, if you're walking on a treadmill, or like I know some people, it's just I walk on a treadmill and I don't focus on what I'm doing, you know, so mm-hmm. that might not yeah. be practical yeah. for a lot of people. So we also have to look at, okay, what's practically going to really actually assist me. And I think we also get to look at like, we spend so much time worrying about what mattress am I going to have because we spend a lot of time in bed, but we don't do that as much with our work setup sometimes. So especially if you work from home, maybe it's not a standing desk right now, but could you afford to, you know, 
what is the standing option where it's something that even goes on top of the desk that can raise up and kind of support your laptop there? So how can we create more of a standing structure or it's going to a counter for a little bit to work and stand? You know, how can we mix up our, our daily workspace so that we're not just sitting all day? Maybe we're standing a little bit. It doesn't have to be walking if that doesn't feel comfortable for you, but, but we're, we're putting on something else. And also if standing really is, you know, that also kind of affects your low back or your hips or anything, you know, you could get a little step stool and put one foot up on the step stool. And that kind of helps to offset the body so that you're not just putting pressure on one hip versus the other. Another good way there's, there's these standing mats that kind of have like a little bit of acupressure. So it makes you kind of like, like move your feet back and forth. And so you get a little bit more active and dynamic and standing, you get a little pressure points into your feet. So those are kind of good ways and strategies that you can kind of mix up your standing. Also, there's we love this company called I'm not sure that they're outside the US, but they're they have these sitting stools that are great because they kind of put you naturally into more of an anteriorly tilted position. And when we drop our knees below our hips when we're at, when we're sitting, which is not traditional for almost any fancy office chair that you're going to have, but when we drop our knees below our below our hips, it kind of forces our our pelvis a little bit more forward. And then we finally feel our sit bones. And this is like, if I were to cup the base of my butt, I should feel these knobby things right into my, my butt. And I and usually we're tucked under, and so we can't feel them. But if we make sure that we kind of grab underneath our butt and then move back and forth and see where is it most prominent into the chair, that's where we naturally should be sitting because it's going to just drop our, our head, shoulders, and hips on top of each other without having to force anything. So these stools are really great, plus they stand all the way up. So if you wanted just kind of like to be standing but have a little bit of support behind your bum, this is a great way to be able to still have that support when you're standing, but be, but be creating that different structure in that different position. And then the last thing that I like to say too is I work at a coffee table sometimes, not all day long, just for short periods of time because I want to be able to cross my legs into like crisscross applesauce or extend them out into more of a straddle pancake position because then I'm getting mobility through my hips and my low back again without having to you know consciously be taking time out of my day but I'm putting my legs in a different position I think in our western culture we forget you know that sitting on the ground is so incredibly important and unless we're doing yoga and pilates a lot of people aren't getting all the way down to the ground. And so we're naturally losing that mobility in the hips. A lot of people, as we get older, we can't sit crisscross applesauce anymore. Our knees go way up into our shoulders. We don't have that ability to relax. And then we wonder, why do I have this back tension that continues to bother me or this pelvic, these pelvic floor issues? Well, it's all connected to what's happening around our hips. So if we can start to move better from our access point, our, the, the place where we should be hinging from, moving from, being dynamic from, we need to be able to make sure that we're putting our body in those postures and those positions. So especially if you work from home, this is your opportunity to say, okay, how can I 
mix it up enough where I can sit from the floor to a chair to a standing position. And again, I gave, I hopefully gave a lot of options as to what you can do within all of that so that you find what works best for your own body and your own level of concentration. Yeah. My, my husband got this, this desk from Costco that just, you know, you can press buttons along the side of it and you can just adjust the height of it. So again, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can, you can just put it wherever you want to have it, which is great because you're not, you know, if you do want to, like if I wanted to stand, my desk is such that I could never do that without completely hunching over, you know, because it's a wooden desk, it doesn't move. So, and I would love to stand sometimes, you know, like, and kind of like shift my weight from side to side, but I don't have, you know, that ability with, with my particular desk. So he, he loves having that, that, you know, the height difference. I wanted to ask you, cause you mentioned, you know, sitting crisscross applesauce and that I tend to, and I'm sure a lot of people tend to just sit, I'm sitting here and I have one leg crossed over the other. Right. And I think I tend to do one leg way more than the other. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> does, this, does this set me up for failure? Does this set people up for failure just sitting like this all the time? I don't want to call it failure, <laughs> but I will. <laughs> but I will say that yes, we we tend to find those tendencies within our body which aren't always bad. Like we're going to brush our teeth with one hand more than the other. You don't need to switch it up. However, yes, I think consciously, like uncrossing the leg and putting the other leg in front, it really does help to play a role in your tendency within your hips. You'll notice that one hip is usually tighter than the other. And it's usually what we're doing on a day-to-day basis or even how we're sitting cross-legged. So I do... I am very conscious with this as well. If I go into my natural sitting position, okay, can I uncross it and cross the other leg? Can I lean forward a little bit and make sure I get into that 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 passive stretch as well and just kind of feel that mobility? Because again, a lot of people who aren't, if we're not adding yoga or some conscious mobility practice into our lives, then we're usually just so tight and we have these tendencies within our body. We're not getting into them. And your hips, again, I can't stress enough, like it's our center point. If you're having knee issues, if you're having low back issues, pelvic issues, SI, a lot of this stems from the tightness and the tension we build up around our hips. So if we can start to implement more ways as to how we're going to start addressing that, it's so incredibly important. This podcast episode is brought to you by Bobby. Bobby is an organic infant formula with a European inspired formula crafted in America, delivered right to your doorstep that meets all the FDA requirements and is founded by moms. This is the formula I used with our last baby when I noticed my supply dropping. Bobby is the only USDA organic, clean label certified formula in the US. Their medical team consists of OBGYN pediatricians researchers, pediatric dietitians, and nurses, lactation consultants, and one doula. When it comes to ingredients, they believe every ingredient counts and choosing anything less than top quality is irresponsible. I love that they're trying to change the script of feeding babies formula. As a mother, we have so much to worry about and how our baby is fed does not need to be one of them. They want to provide moms with confidence, not comparison. Normalize feeding and shift the stigma from how you feed to what you feed. You can use the code Motherhood Meets Medicine 10 for 10% off your order. That's Motherhood Meets Medicine 10 for 10% off. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. 
With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. This is what makes it America's number one meal kit. Being a mother of four and having an incredibly fast-paced daily routine, I love that HelloFresh offers quick and fresh recipes. Their latest line of meals are ready in less than 15 minutes. Try out their falafel power bowls or seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce. Every week you can choose from over 40 recipes that will include a variety of options including vegetarian, vegan, low-carb, and more. You can choose calorie smart and carb smart recipes or even customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading your proteins, or adding protein to a veggie dish. I love being able to know that my meals for the week are already planned and prepped. On busy weeks, it helps immensely to know that I have a quick and easy meal ready to cook once we get home from all the hustle and bustle with after-school activities. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Lindsay65 and use the code Lindsay65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's L-Y-N-Z-Y 65. Again, 65% off plus free shipping. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash Lindsay65 and use the code Lindsay 65. The code will also be in my show notes. So I want to ask you quickly about, so yoga. So I am the, I'm the type of person who needs like workouts that are high intensity. And so yoga has never quite been my thing. I've talked to many other people that are kind of the same way where it's like, I don't know if I have a half hour, I don't, really want to spend it doing yoga. I want to do it spending something that's going to, you know, give me that, you know, like almost like that runner's high afterwards. But how important is it to kind of incorporate something like yoga or like flexibility into weekly workout program? It's kind of setting yourself up for failure if you're lifting weights and running and doing these high intensity workouts, but not also kind of working in some sort of like flexibility and like yoga type workouts. What are your thoughts on that? Like how often do you think it's important to kind of incorporate that into your workouts if you're somebody that likes to do more like high intensity type stuff? So I think yoga should be used for, you know, the mindset, really, that's what the practice is supposed to be for. So if you want, you know, that kind of down regulation, that release, that breath work with movement, I think that's a great place to get it. I don't think that you have to be doing yoga if it's not your jam. Don't force it. <laughs> I I personally don't do it. I, I like it. I enjoy it sometimes, but I, it's not a regular practice for me, yet I'm very mobile. Because again, when we look at, I don't think people need to be striving for this flexibility. Flexibility is really about like the the passive ability to increase my range of motion. So that is being able to get into a certain stretch or a runner's lunge, right? But how can I increase my active capacity within my body so that I can take on more things like hiking and lifting my leg up on a big rock or, or getting into a full squat for my, for my lifting and my strength. So how can I increase my active capacity within my body to tolerate better ranges of motion? And this is where it doesn't have to be always passive stretching. There's an active component in everything that we do within our body. And so this is where mobility becomes such a great player in 
And what is what are the movements that I'm going to do in the workout? And what how can I start to tap into that full range of motion before I go into that workout? That is two to five minutes of mobility before you go into your workout or two to five minutes of mobility afterwards. That's what I do. I'm not, you know, again, the yes, I might be sitting at a coffee table stretching my hips passively. That's probably the most passive stretches that I'm going to get in throughout the day. But otherwise, it's what actively am I doing? So if I want to be able to go into a stretch or go into a full squat, you know, okay, maybe I could kick my leg up on a a bench and then rock forward into my ankle five to 10 times. Maybe I'm using a kettlebell on my knee to really lean and put that pressure over my ankle. And I'll do that five to 10 times on each side. If I want to get into a deeper squat, open up my hips, I can hang onto the squat rack and then allow myself to go into it as deep of a squat as possible with my back straight, use my elbows to kind of open up my knees, drop my knees in down toward the floor and kind of be opening up different directions and then get under a barbell with no weight and be able to make sure I can go into a full squat, hold that for a minute, maybe open up those hips again, and then come up and do that about five to six times. So if we're incorporating active mobility before I go into my exercise, that's going to be way more beneficial than how much am I stretching before I do my exercise or how much am I stretching afterwards. So we just want to make sure that we're, we're consciously getting into the range of motion that we want to be creating before we go work out. Because Also, if we're just trying to hammer out at a workout, but we don't have that full length or that awareness within that body, well then, (laughs) yeah, we can create a lot of built up tension. We could start compensating because I don't have full overhead shoulder mobility maybe. So I'm just going to start arching my back as I'm putting my weights up, or I'm going to start you know, whatever else might start compensating along the way. And we build up these compensations and we build up extra tension and then we can't move even more. (laughs) So in order to avoid just that built up tension, you want to make sure what are the movements that I'm going to get into and how can I actively open up that area before I even go into it. And this is especially with high intensity workouts. If you're, if you're doing burpees, if you're on your hands a lot, if you're doing pushups, if you're doing, you know, plank up downs or whatever it may be, are you opening up your wrists? A lot of people neglect the ability to get into our full wrist range of motion. And yet we're then going to go onto the floor and do all these planks and push-ups and expect no pain in our wrist or our elbow. It doesn't really work like that. So again, how like how can I implement? And this is such, it doesn't have to take long time. And that's what I love to preach. And that's what I love to share. Give your body five to 10 minutes before you do a workout. It is going to really help you in the long run, I promise. And then five minutes of down regulation. This can be foam rolling if that helps you to relax in your system. This can be just kicking your legs up a wall and doing some conscious breaths into the rib cage. This could be putting your legs up into a 90-90 position like on a chair supported and doing some big rib cage breaths. So as long as we're getting that down regulation, it doesn't have to look like stretching after a workout, but especially after a high intensity workout, we should be finding an area where we're down regulating in the body so that we're reducing that stress and tension and then going on for our day. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important. I I definitely, and I'm sure many others, like I'm always like, oh, I only have this amount of time. I just have to like jump right into it. But like you said, it's like it's so detrimental to what you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> like I last week I was doing, was it just, I think it was deadlifts. And so I just jump into this leg workout. There was no prior stretching or mobility, anything going on. I just like jumped into my workout and the third exercise is deadlifts. And so I'm just doing these deadlifts. They feel great while I'm doing them. I could not walk properly for maybe four or five days. And so like, I just couldn't even exercise for those days. Cause I'm like, if I exercise, I'm going to hurt myself. And with deadlifts, it's, it's all connected. And so if I like, if I do the deadlifts, like my back automatically starts hurting if I if my hamstrings are too tight. So I'm like, Oh, gosh, I can't throw my back. So it's just like this whole like domino effect. So it's like so important. So let's jump into talking more about the breath. Because I love to focus on this because I experienced this firsthand. I knew nothing about it after my first or second baby. Everything kind of like fell apart. Obviously, when you're pregnant, baby takes up all the space and your ab muscles have to separate. And then you have the baby and you all all different types of things can can happen. And I didn't realize how tied in with the breath it was until I did. I had done a program after my fourth and after my third that concentrated solely on breath work to help like restabilize your core and your pelvic floor. And I was like, what? I thought you don't do sit-ups, but you can do like at least movements that have to do with your abs and your pelvic floor. I didn't even think about, oh, breathing can actually restore all of this. And so I would love to hear more about how this all relates to breath work because it's just something that I personally wasn't aware of. And I'm sure many don't understand kind of like how they're all connected and related. So if we can start there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we think about it, we kind of, we have like three diaphragms within our body and we think, you know what? We have one diaphragm, the respiratory diaphragm, but that's really interconnected with our pelvic floor diaphragm and even what's called our glottis at, at our neck. And so how we kind of stack and align these three and how they move together is going to be really important on how we're maintaining our inner core pillar. <laughs> and this is where, you know, alignment does come into play because, and, and posture does kind of come into play because if my neck is really far forward, then my rib cage might be either tilted down or tilted too far up, which is going to throw off my pelvis, which is going to, every time I breathe, then put a different pressure either up into my neck and my upper back, down into my lower back, down into my pelvic floor. Like it's going to put different pressures based on how I'm breathing because as we breathe, we have a whole canister of pressure that has to be dispersed somewhere. (laughs) So understanding how these pressures can start to work together to really maximize our muscle contraction, our connection all the way from our pelvic floor up into our neck and our shoulders is so incredibly crucial. And this is our, this is where our pillar becomes really important. So our Our breath, naturally, as I breathe in, I'm going to contract my diaphragm and and everything starts to expand. So as I as I breathe in and my diaphragm kind of contracts and lowers, I should hopefully lower into my pelvic floor as well. So that should relax. So if we were all to sit here for a minute and maybe 
find a comfortable position as you breathe in. What I would want you to feel is your rib cage expand from the sides. The belly is naturally going to expand, but don't force it. So there's no forced belly breath here. There's no forced belly excursion. It's just a belly relaxation. And then what you should feel at the bottom and the base is just this opening. And you can feel this a lot better too if you, when you're going to the restroom. So instead of straining when we have to go and and use do a stool movement or a bowel movement, hopefully you want to breathe in. And on that breath in, especially if you use something like a squatty potty to elevate those knees, which is so important and I really recommend, you're going to feel that opening of, of the bottom, that opening so that your stool can come out. And so when we breathe in, we're going to help to open and expand that pelvic floor. When we breathe out, we're going to start to compress that rib cage. The diaphragm is naturally going to contract back. And then our pelvic floor with that contraction back of that diaphragm will hopefully start to lift as well. And this doesn't have to be a conscious sucking in of the pelvic floor, but more of a gentle, just kind of retraction of the pelvic floor from that lengthening positioning to that retraction positioning. And as we start to exercise, yes, we might want to become a little bit more intentional with that movement. And that's where a kegel would come into place. And I like to say, you're thinking of taking a blueberry from underneath you, especially as a woman, and you're thinking of pulling it up and in. So as I breathe out and my rib cage is dropping, I'm thinking of pulling that blueberry up and in toward my body. So not just a lift, not just a squeeze, but a squeeze and lift together. And this is where we're then, we'll then find that full core contraction that transverse abdominis will automatically kick on without us having to think of pulling the belly button to the spine or, or, you know, hugging a corset around your abdomen. I think some of these cues sometimes become misleading, especially with belly to spine as I, as I breathe out, because sometimes we'll then end up sucking in the rib cage will flare, the pelvic floor will drop, and we're just squeezing a canister instead of compressing all together with that pelvic floor, with that diaphragm, and all throughout our pillar. So if we can really start to connect to this, once you have the baby and and you're needing to start to connect to it, at first, it's going to feel so foreign. You're going to not feel that pelvic floor contraction. It just went under a lot of stress, and that's okay. You know, but if we start to use where is that rib cage supposed to be breathing from? How, if I know when I do a long, slow exhale and I allow that rib cage to drop, I'm starting to think about just that retraction of that pelvic floor. Again, you might not feel anything at first, but over time, we start to rebuild that connection between that diaphragm and that pelvic floor so that when I start to go back into movement, it's not just about how many kegels am I doing, but it's about consciously being able to hold this pillar under load, under stress, under movement, so I can get back into my everyday movement without feeling like I need to leak or I need to run to the restroom every time. Mm -hmm. Now, a few things I want to kind of break off from here. The first would be what can what can we do even before we get pregnant and even during pregnancy? So now you're pregnant now. Is there breath work that you're doing right now to kind of prepare your pelvic floor for this birth and for the recovery period? Are you doing anything right now? 
Yeah, so right now, and as we continue to grow <laughs> through pregnancy, it's going to be harder to take longer, deeper breaths because that diaphragm will get a little bit more compressed. But throughout my pregnancy, I've been in, I've been consciously doing this breath work. So putting my hands around my rib cage and trying to breathe into the sides of my rib cage and breathe out, really focusing on that wrapping of my rib cage coming down wrapping that and hugging that belly up and into me and then using that pelvic floor to kind of lift a little bit with it. Now, as I get to the end of pregnancy, I don't want to be thinking of that strong contraction as much or that lifting of the pelvic floor. I really just want to be thinking of the relaxation a little bit more. And so again, I do this breath work when I'm going to the restroom, especially a lot of pregnant women might find a little bit more constipation during pregnancy because our progesterone levels and our hormones are changing. And so with rather than pushing and straining, you know, thinking about that long inhale and expanding from that pelvic floor, and then that good exhale and just relaxing the body. And this is what's going to help to that. That's what's translating over to relaxing the pelvic floor as I'm getting ready to push because the pelvic floor doesn't do anything <laughs> during labor. We want it to move out of the way. So how can I do that big expansive inhale and then practice that long slow exhale to really allow my pelvic floor to relax and release and maybe put a little bit more tension up through the top of my abdomen. So I'm using those techniques even as I go to the restroom. I'm using intentional breath work between sets. So if I'm doing heavy squats or if I'm doing deadlifts, taking like I do about five to eight breaths between sessions or between sets. And I'll take a moment to sit down, feel my hands on my rib cage or around my belly and see how I'm getting those intentional breaths around to calm my nervous system, to relax the pelvic floor and to then get back into my workout. Now, are there other ways like on a daily basis that you would suggest to kind of relax? I know you talked about like going to the bathroom and stuff like that, but are there certain movements that we can do to relax our pelvic floor? Yes. So we also get to realize that all the muscles that connect into the pelvis also play a role into tension that we can feel into our pelvic floor. So right now we're actually doing a challenge where I'm taking people through a weekly kind of protocol to aid in this relaxation. And it really has nothing to do with directly understanding the pelvic floor, but more about the muscles related and around it. So if we look at our inner thighs or adductors, how much tension do we hold there? A lot of us hold a lot of tension and don't even realize it. So doing what I call like adductor rocks, which is being on all fours, kicking one leg out to the side, keeping the pelvis in a neutral position. So rather than allowing the spine to round, you kind of rock back until you feel some some tightness or tension into that into that inner thigh and then rock back and using the breath to kind of relax that pelvic floor with that inner thigh work that you can do to relax and release the glutes. So even if you are getting more of like a a therapy ball, a a ball that you could use to roll out and putting it against the wall and kind of relax and breathe into that ball to relax and release the glutes around that area a little bit. You could also do things like pigeon pose, hip 99, cross-legged stretch, figure four to kind of release and relax those glutes. And then we want to also be looking even at how the pelvis is moving forward and backwards. So making sure that we're relaxing into hamstrings a little bit, relaxing into our quads in the front of our hips. 
so important because those will have different pools on that pelvis, either forward or backward. And so if we can start to relax all of those muscles, we also talk to the pelvic floor to help in aiding in relaxation of that pelvic Mm -hmm, floor. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would love for you to touch briefly on what can happen over time if you have like constant pelvic floor tension. I would love for you to touch on this because you don't realize like all the different things that can occur when you have pelvic floor tension. So after I had, oh, I think it was my third, I had intense, intense tailbone pain and hip pain. And I had no idea. And because America has I believe like one of the worst like maternity care programs ever. They follow up with you once and you have all these pains and it's like, oh, well, you just had a baby. And it's like, well, okay. But so I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I love talking to them. I have them on the podcast as frequently as I can. I saw that you did something with Dr. Sarah Reardon recently. So I have known her and and been friends with her for years when she first like basically started her Instagram. Like I loved her. Her. So anyway, so she taught me so much about the pelvic floor and she was the one I was just like basically talking to as a friend like I don't know what's going on, like why do I have all this pain and she's like no no, you really need to actually see a pelvic floor physical therapist in person. And so I was like I know nothing about this. This is like so this was like I don't know 6 years ago or something. And so I I made an appointment, I went through my OB, they suggested someone, I went and I kid you not, I probably went to three appointments total. And she, right from the get-go, was like, oh, this is all pelvic floor related. Here's the exercises you need to do. And by the third appointment, I was like completely pain-free. And I was like, what? So I would love for you to kind of touch on what can happen over time with this pelvic floor tension. Like, Where can your pain manifest itself? Mm. I love that you you said that it only took three visits to really start to feel a difference. And that's when you have an amazing provider who isn't trying to say, oh, you need to come to me every single time, but <laughs> but saying like, here's what you can actually do for yourself. Like, I think that is the key. And, and you know, some people, oh, I tried pelvic floor physical therapy. That didn't work for me. Well, maybe you need to find someone else. You know, it's okay. Yeah. But, you know, anywhere, so kind of like I I highlighted anywhere that can build tension and aid in the pelvic floor can also build pain. So we can have anything that connects into that pelvic floor region. So we're talking SI pain, hip pain, low back pain, radiating symptoms down our legs, numbness, pain with sex. I mean, there's so much that can happen all from this built up pelvic floor tension, including incontinence. And a lot of people think, oh, if I'm leaking, I just need to do more kegels. Well, a lot of times we're too, we're too tight already. So really getting with a pelvic floor therapist just helps to see that. And I, before, like I, the first time I saw a pelvic floor therapist, I was having no symptoms at all. She was just kind of a friend. And I was like, yeah, let me do an appointment with you just to kind of see how things are. And I wish that this would be a regular practice at least once a year, or at least every few years, like something that you can do, whether you're feeling things or not starting to understand where your body could be tight. I also saw a recent physical therapist just in my pregnancy, because again, not really having symptoms, but want to understand, okay, where could I be building up tension that I'm not aware of? And what could I be doing that I need to be working on a little bit more? Physical therapists need their physical therapists as well. Like having someone to be able to feel and 
and guide you. That's what a physical therapist is. It's there, they're there to guide and facilitate something that you might not be seeing yourself. And when we really start to identify pelvic floor muscles and have a physical therapist feel and palpate our our own pelvic floor muscles, you see where some are a little bit more, I will say superficial, and then others are a little bit deeper, where we might not be able to reach those deeper ones or not have awareness of where they are, that could have tension one side versus another, which could be contributing to maybe some restriction that you're having at your hip, or some pain that you're having on that side of your SI or your low back, your sciatic symptoms. So we get to identify how our pelvic floor plays a role in in our whole pain structure so that we don't have to be suffering all the time and and don't have to have this constant tension. Yeah. I love how you said so I I was thinking about this as you were saying it. People will like go and book appointments for a massage because oh my gosh, I've had so much tension in my back and oh my neck and and it's like Actually, maybe what we should be doing is making an appointment with a, with a physical therapist to be like, oh, you're holding all this tension here. Let me give you all of these exercises that you can take with you and do at home. So as opposed to going and getting this lovely massage, which don't get me wrong, massages are great, but you know, you're going to somebody who's going to give you this information that you can take with you and then practice on your own and help relieve that tension on a longer scale as opposed to just getting this massage that may or may not help, you know, immediately, but then next week you're back into that same tense state in whatever muscle it might have been. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned that. I want, I know we're kind of running low on time. So I wanted to briefly touch on this because I think this is one of the most common complaints. I mean, in general, lower back pains, one of the most common complaints. It's all I see in the emergency department, like all the time, it's definitely most common. And when you're pregnant, I just feel like inevitably you end up with back pain at some point in your pregnancy, whether it's upper back pain, mid back pain, lower back pain. Is there anything that you suggest during pregnancy to kind of help offset the pain that you might be feeling in your lower back, mid back when you're pregnant? I am such a huge proponent of, you know, continuing to work out and exercise during pregnancy because as we know, we have the hormone relaxin, which is helping things to relax and helping things to open up. So we already have something that's helping to improve mobility (laughs) within our body without having to do a, a ton more. So what we actually need rather than just stretching areas is to build resilience within our body and this internal support that's going to help as our hips start to shift and move. I like to call these sensations that we feel more, more of sensations rather than, than pains. You know, yes, you might be sitting for a long time. Maybe you're sitting slumped on a couch and then all of a sudden you get up and you suddenly feel this sharp sensation kind of come into the crotch area or the, the front of the pelvis, the back of the pelvis. You know, we, we're going to have these different sensations that are coming up because the body is not used to having this much motion in the area. So it's actually quite say, you know, it's your body's way of saying, whoa, this doesn't feel natural. I need to, you know, elicit this pain signal and make you really aware. So maybe you won't move or you won't do this. Or, you know, our body's natural tendency is to feel pain and protect you. But if we start to say, okay, I get that. Like, I know that there's going to be increased sensation. I know that there's going to be some differences that are happening in my body because I'm creating life. Cool. 
I can work with you body rather than against you. So I think it's really crucial that we continue to work out during pregnancy. I think that's going to be the number one thing that's going to help to offset these, these symptoms that we feel a lot. And especially because if we're kind of starting to rest into the uterus and the the belly kind of coming into that forward position, then we start to put a lot of tension into our low back SI area. But if I continue to build my glutes, if I continue to work on some cross body core, some cross, some cross body in the back of my core as well, then I help to create this stability line through my pelvis, through my back and through the front of my pelvis as well. And all the way through my legs that helps to carry me a little bit better. So I'm not just resting and putting pressure into my SI area or into my low back. I did a post one time of just showing, you know, typically as the belly starts to grow, it's normal to have that belly start to come forward, but then we start to stand in that posture. We start to walk in that posture and it becomes this, this thing where we're putting a lot of extra tension just right into that low back area. Well, if I start to understand how to better breathe from my rib cage and drop that rib cage over my pelvis, I start to expand from the sides rather than putting that tension forward. And then if I start to build my glutes and really build my my foundation from my legs and my strength, well, then I help to offset again those pressures that are going to come forward a lot of the times. So I think smart training, using a personal trainer or getting in contact with a, a program that can really continue to teach you how to use your body and it's best capacity is really important. And know that there doesn't always have to be specialized exercises when you're pregnant. You know, yes, we want to make room for baby as the belly grows. And so you might need a wider stance or a different lunge position. But ultimately, if you are working out this way, you can continue to work out. And there was just recently a paper that came out as well that showed that actually women can continue to work up to 80% of their one rep max throughout their pregnancy. And even do the, if you are intentional on weightlifting and, and powerlifting, you can even do the Felsalva maneuver as you're weightlifting and, and you won't have any negative effects on your delivery or pelvic floor. Okay. So many things. <laughs> so many, you just opened up a can of worms with me. If you can actually send that to me afterwards, I'll link it in the show notes, the study. Yeah. I would love yeah. to do that. This is something I feel so passionate about because many people have gotten pregnant have always... So I had, when I was on Instagram years ago, I used to talk about this a lot and, and people would come to me and say, oh my gosh, like my provider told me that I couldn't either, either couldn't exercise at all or had to like really scale it back. And I'm like, well, have you always worked out? And oh, I've always worked out. So this is really a passion of mine. And this has been on my list of podcast topics that I want to cover because there's nothing I want to do more than debunk this whole, like you can't exercise, you can't be your best self while you're pregnant. Because as you said, like it's simply not true. And it will only allow you to conquer birth and postpartum so much easier because you've been releasing stress and anxiety through exercise, right? And then just your body, preparing your body for this marathon that it's about to accomplish. And it's just so, so, so important. So I love that you mentioned that. And yeah, I will, I definitely want to go more in depth on that in a future episode because it's so, so, so important.
Okay. So let's end with two questions I ask everyone that I have on. So the first one is, if you could give one piece of advice to moms, what would that piece of advice be? Oh boy. I would say compassion and grace. (laughs) You know, no one knows what they're doing. Everyone will act like they do and, and no situation is the same. So compassion and grace for your body, compassion and grace for parenting and for your child and, and along the journey, it's, it's a continual learning process. Yes. All right. Second question is if you could make one meal that you all would eat, that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? My go-to is eggs. I mean, it is the easiest thing to get really nutrient dense, you know, a meal, especially in the morning. That's like, like, that's just always my go-to is just a, a couple eggs. I do some greens with it, maybe some sweet potatoes, and sometimes wrap it in a siete tortilla or sometimes not. And it is delicious and so easy. Yes. I mean, there is nothing better. I always keep trying with my kids, but I get it because for me, eggs, I don't know what it was. I loved them. And then with one of my pregnancies, I was like, eggs, I can't do it. The consistency (laughs) or something, it's so bizarre, the things that happen while you're pregnant. And I never fully recovered. I mean, recovered somewhat, but not fully. So there are days when I look at them and I'm like, I can't do it today. <laughs> but there's some days when I can. And my kids are the same way. It's so funny. Like one of them absolutely loves eggs, but you kind of have to like smother them in ketchup. And then the yeah. other one loves eggs no matter how they are. And then one of them is like, do not come near me with eggs. I don't care how they're cooked. I don't care what's going on with them. <laughs> Well, I got to say, I didn't like him growing up. So (laughs) it was something that I had to grow into. (laughs) I think I totally agree. I think it's just like the consistency of them, no matter how they're cooked. It's like, oh, I don't know. And then I always like scrambled was always my go-to because I'm like, oh, scrambled. That's that's. I can definitely do them scrambled, but I don't know what happened. It was just like, oh, I don't know that I could do this anymore. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. I mean, they're just such a a great, easy go-to. And you can, I mean, omelets for dinner? You know, they're so good. So easy. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jen. This was amazing. I, I just went into this deep dive today, like going through all your stuff. And and it's just like so incredible the amount of information that you have on YouTube and via your website and your new app and all of those things. So if anybody is looking to get more information on pain they may have somewhere or anything at all, Jen's your go-to. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.